I'm Brenda Seidensticker with 5-5 Farm and Ranch in Brownsboro, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Donald. Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, recent rains have helped crops in South Texas. We'll have a report on that coming up as we kick off today's show. My name is Jessica Dommel, and I'm your host, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. Just a few months ago, USDA launched a new online resource designed to help cattle producers market their animals more effectively. But how much longer this service will be available is in question. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Two landowner bills passed the Texas legislature and are now on their way to Governor Greg Abbott. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more from the state capitol in Austin on Texas Ag Today. A very nice rain was received over much of the Central Texas Blackland region. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. South Texas has seen some beneficial rain over the past couple of weeks. Carrie Martin has that report. Today we go to South Texas to check in with Colin Chopolis. He farms in the Coastal Bend area, kind of in between San Antonio and Corpus Christi around Beeville. And Colin, I wanted to get an update on your crops. I know we've had some good rain in that area. Crops looking really good. Let's start with a corn crop. How's your corn looking right now? So yeah, our corn crop was definitely a struggle early on to get it planted in adequate moisture and get things going, but we've received some really timely rainfall since then, and we're through the tassel stage on most of it, and uh, through a pollination, and have a really good uh, seed set so far on the years that I've looked at it. You know, I would expect a really great corn harvest for this region, uh, certainly well above average, and potentially one of the largest corn crops we've ever had in this area. Well, Colin, is your sorghum crop looking as good as your corn? Sorghum looks really good. It's kind of same as corn. It was a struggle planting in dry conditions early, but has received some really good rainfall. Yields look to be tremendous. With sorghum, we always just concerned about excessive rainfall at harvest time and barring some kind of unforeseen conditions like that, we should have a tremendous grain sorghum harvest in the coastal bend. Colin, how tough was it to get your cotton crop planted? I understand that a lot of farmers there in South Texas and Coastal Bend had to plant around the rain showers, and so we've got a very staggered and spread out crop there. Yes, sir. So cotton crop is certainly all over the board at this point. There was some cotton planted early on at towards the end of February. We were extremely dry at that time. So we've got cotton in the fields that's beginning to bloom already. And then we've got cotton in other fields that's just emerged out of the ground in the last couple of weeks. 
So it, it's going to be a very long, drawn-out cotton growing season and cotton harvest. But I think it's all got all the potential in the world. The early plant cotton looks fantastic and just really shanked up and looks good. And, and the young stuff can get some dry weather and some heat units. It'll be off and running. And I think we've setting up for a, a really nice year this year. So how big of a difference would you say this year is at this time compared to a year ago, Colin? We've made a complete 180 from where we were this time last year. We couldn't buy a rain last year. We were so dry. Still, I believe at this time, hadn't received any beneficial rainfall. Nearly 100% of our dryland cotton in 2022 was written off by crop insurance and never emerged out of the ground. And, and uh, we got completely the opposite this year. We're almost too wet at this point. And that's uh, just the way farming goes sometimes, that feast of famine. So it, it's been a roller coaster ride. Colin, thanks so much for the update. Best of luck to you for the rest of the growing season. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's Colin Choplis. He grows corn, sorghum, and cotton between San Antonio and Corpus Christi in the Beeville area. I'm Kerry Martin on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We've talked a little bit this week about the Cattle Contracts Library with James Hunt. He joins us with this report on what the future is for the library. The Cattle Contracts Library is a new online service offered by USDA. One of its purposes is to give producers insights into unique ways they can make more money when they market their cattle. For example, Michael Sheets of USDA told me some packers will pay extra for cattle that are delivered to the plant first thing in the morning. The industry calls it starter cattle. It's essentially when the plant opens the door, you got cattle ready to go as soon as you turn on the lines. That could help get you a premium. That could, yes. I mean, that's an advantage, and that's something that the Packers are willing to pay for to, to make sure, because an idle plant is not making any money. So that's one sample of the kind of information that can be learned through the use of the Cattle Contracts Library. But how much longer will this service be available? The library was launched four months ago only as a pilot project. And Sheets, who conducted a USDA listening session for producers at West Texas A&M earlier this month, says the future of this service is uncertain. The Appropriations Act of 22, which mandated the uh, pilot, said that the funding would end on September 30th of this year, 2023. There is nothing that says that the library then would continue after that. So at this point, unless somebody steps in, there's a good chance that we would cease issuing the library because we would not have the, the authority under the Ag Appropriations Act to continue it. Of course, Congress could act to keep the library going. One thing that will likely influence Congress's decision is feedback from producers on how well they think the library is doing. USDA is taking comments about the Cattle Contracts Library at this time. If you have thoughts you'd like to share, contact USDA. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A pair of landowner bills have passed the Texas legislature. Tom Nicoletti has that report. Two pieces of legislation received unanimous approval by the Texas House of Representatives and Texas Senate. Both benefit farmers, ranchers, and landowners. Blake Roach is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director in Austin. Blake, let's first talk about passage of House Bill 73. Thanks, Tom. House Bill 73 by Representative Andrew Murr of Junction will provide more protection for landowners against lawsuits involving livestock. Currently, ranchers, farmers, and landowners are subject to liability for damages that may occur due to the actions of a trespasser entering their property without consent or permission. And HB 73 would add protection so that a landowner is not liable for damage 
that is the result of a trespasser or source beyond their control. And HB 73 would also protect leases the same as it would landowners. And Blake, HB 73 uh, passed the Senate 31 to 0 and is heading to Governor uh, Greg Abbott for his consideration. Meanwhile, let's talk about uh, SB 1133 and uh, what happened with that legislation. SB 1133 by Senator Cesar Blanco of El Paso would establish a program to compensate landowners for damages caused by criminal activities. And currently, landowners are suffering significant monetary loss of property damage due to border-related criminal activities and trespassing. And applicants of this program would be eligible to receive a reimbursement of up to $75,000 per incident. And landowners who have suffered real property damage due to a trespasser committing a border crime would be eligible for reimbursement. Yes, and the House passed that bill 144 to 0. And it is now heading to the governor's desk. That is Blake Roach. He is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central Texas has finally been blessed with rainfall. Shane McClellan has a report. The 45-mile dry gap that I often refer to that exists from West Coma, Texas to Colleen finally did receive some rainfall. For the last seven days, that area that I refer to, uh, which includes McLennan County, has received various amounts of rain, ranging from one to four inches of moisture. We were forecasted to have a flood, but what most of us actually received was a good, slow, one-inch soaking of rain. The kind of rain that falls all day long and then saturates the soil. That is exactly what we needed. For many, they received several one-inch rains during the, the last seven days, and it is now a really wet. We are still not receiving our normal rainfall when you compare the year of 2023 to the 30-year average of expected rainfall. Compared to our normal rainfall, we're still about seven inches below our normal rainfall. However, pastures, crops, landscapes look great. Uh, No one's complaining. Everyone here is very thankful, and in Central Texas, they feel very fortunate to receive the rainfall that they have received uh, due to many areas of Texas still being over on the dry side. They need to get some rain as well. Corn in Central Texas is off to a great start. We have had some hail-damaged corn, but most of our corn has outgrown that damage, putting on new leaves. With the moisture we received this past week, corn plants have exploded in growth. Cotton is doing well, better than it should with the cooler, overcast weather we've had lately. We have had some really hot, high humidity days, but they were still overcast. We really need some sunshine, some heat units on our on our cotton to help it continue to grow and do well. Wheat notes are getting close to harvest. So they're nearing maturity, and I expect us to be about five to ten days away from harvest. Once our soil conditions dry out enough to allow combines to enter the fields, farmers will begin harvesting oats followed by wheat. Yield is expected to be below our early expectations uh, due to just a lack of overall moisture during the growing season and some hessian fly impact on our wheat. There has been some grass cut for hay in our area before the rains came. It was cut and baled, and those producers are ahead of the game. They put out fertilizer, and they're looking really good. They may actually get two cuttings out before most people get one hay cutting. The first cutting is going to be mostly small grains or rye grass, Warm season forages now are actively growing, and in that next cutting, it's going to have a lot of Bermuda grass and other warm season forages in it. I do expect hay prices to remain elevated due to the dry conditions that are still over much of Texas. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McWellen from Waco. 
A new program under USDA NRCS's EQUIP program helps Texas farmers and ranchers improve migratory bird habitat. We'll have that story in a minute. And Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will explain why it is so important to have a close working relationship with your veterinarian. That's coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Clark Breedell wrote an article in the Shepherd publication called, Who Are You Going to Call When You Need a Large Animal Veterinarian? And Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd said he made some good points as to the reason there's a lack of large animal vets. Dr. Judd discusses that and why it's important to have a relationship with your veterinarian in this report. Veterinarians are required to have a veterinary client-patient relationship before we can diagnose, treat, and prescribe medication for animals. Because of this, it is important to have a working relationship with your veterinarian. And it is critical now that all antibiotics will require a prescription after June the 11th of this year. Mr. Breedall indicates this relationship should be more than just a one-time exam to build a trusting relationship. So your veterinarian will be available when you need them. He also mentions his large animal vet in the 1970s would come to his farm and never seemed to be in a hurry while getting to know him. That was possible years ago, as most of my classmates in 1979 graduated with little student debt. Unfortunately, the average student debt of today's veterinary graduate is over $200,000, requiring them to be paid for all of their time in a day to pay their debts and live. Mr. Breedall also mentions that large animal veterinary medicine is not for the faint of heart, body, or mind, and this is true. It is a hard physical job, and many of the calls are after hours, as there are no large animal emergency clinics. So someone has to be on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, regardless of the weather. So the bottom line is, if you want to have a veterinarian available for your livestock, you have to support their practice on a routine basis, and not just call them for emergencies at midnight to deliver a calf once a year. Many large animal vets find the schedule, emergencies, weather, and lack of money not conducive to the life they want and switch to small animal practice. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. There are new opportunities for Texas farmers and ranchers who are interested in preserving and improving habitat for migratory birds. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Natural Resources Conservation Service is now accepting applications for funding through the Migratory Bird Resurgence Initiative. Charles Kniper, State Resource Conservationist for NRCS Texas, joins us with more. It is an initiative under our Environmental Quality Incentives Program, and the purpose of it is to provide the technical and financial assistance to producers. They're going to be addressing resource concerns on ag and non-industrial forest lands. 
It's aimed at preserving, protecting, and improving habitat for migratory waterfowl, shorebirds, and other avian species in the prairie pothole region and in key portions of the Pacific, Mississippi, and Central Flyways. $5 million has been allocated for the program in Texas. With those post-harvest states, there are required conservation practices that will have to be applied on individual properties. In Texas, that core practice will be the shallow water development and management. It's very dependent upon what is needed on their landscape and what the identified concerns are on their landscape. But in some cases, there'll be flooding areas to provide shallow water areas for them to rest and nest. Or it may be situations where they're having to do some kind of a planting to provide food and generate the beneficial habitat. Interested landowners can contact their local NRCS field office to apply. To be considered for the next round of funding, applications must be turned in by June 15th. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle traded higher on Friday thanks to higher cash cattle prices and higher boxed beef prices. June live cattle up a nickel to 167.35. August live cattle up 40 cents to 165.17. October live cattle up 57 cents to 169.60. The increase in live cattle prices would have helped bring feeder cattle prices higher on Friday, but analysts say that high corn prices capped any gains that we could have seen. August feeder cattle down 77 cents to 233.92. September feeder cattle down 97 cents to 237.10. October feeder cattle down a dollar two to 239.02. Box beef was higher Friday. Choice up three dollars and 95 cents to 303 dollars and 89 cents. Select up 21 cents to 284 dollars and 75 cents. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Andy Baumeister, my guest, Lamb Passes Cattle Auction. Andy, how'd the sale go? We ended up with 315 heads, so that was good. Man, the market's sure good. I quoted the steers three to five higher, heifers five to seven higher. Our cows, I quoted them steady to three higher, and the bulls three to five higher. We had that little sellout of ranch cows from over there south of Ozona. Good little old cows, kind of mild five-year-olds. The pears, they kind of bring 17 to 1,800. Had one set of shortbread cows, the rest of them were open, but little shortbread cows bring 1,400, so I thought that was sure good. The top bull today, Charlet Bull, he weighed 17.70 and bring a dollar 28. Top cow, 1,370 pounds at a dollar six, and then we get into those older heavy bred cows. Had a short solid mouth cow, seven months bred. She weighed 16.60 and bring a dollar 10. We get over into the calves. 
few highlights off of the calf deal. 405-pound red white face steer at 294. 495-pound red steer at 260. 525-pound black steer at 260. We had a little set of five Charlay fat new crop bull calves weighed 562, bring 226. 720-pound red white face steer at 203. Get over into the little sisters there. 380-pound black heifer at 240. Had seven little old black heifers, had some condition to them. They weighed 461, bring 226. 740 pound red motley face heifer, probably went on a replacement deal. She bring $1.76 and then had a sure enough fancy Brangus heifer. She weighed 735, she bring $1.91. I sure thought it was plenty hot today. Good deal. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week. Yes, sir. Watch that Facebook page, Lampass's Cattle Auction. Website, lampassescattleauction.com. My cell phone number, 512-902-3540. I'd love to hear from you. I'm Larry Marble, walking the pens, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening today on Texas Ag Today. On Friday, lean hogs again closed lower. June lean hogs down a dollar fifty-seven to seventy-six oh seven. July lean hogs down two dollars and forty-seven cents to seventy-four seventy-seven. Block cheese fell four point two five cents Friday to a dollar forty-seven. Barrel cheese fell a penny to a dollar forty-nine. May class three milk was even at sixteen seventeen a hundred weight. June class three milk was down twenty-seven cents to fifteen eighty-four a hundred weight. After several days of losses due to concerns over debt ceiling talks, cotton recovered a bit on Friday. In fact, we saw triple-digit increases. Analysts say that's due to some positive news in those debt ceiling talks that have been ongoing. July cotton up 323 points to 83.35. October cotton up 214 points to 81.03. December cotton up 204 points to 80.54. Corn traded higher for the fifth day in a row on Friday, following optimism that a debt ceiling deal could be made. July corn up 13 and a quarter to 604. September corn up 18 and a half to 529. December corn up 18 and a half to 534 and a half. July hard red wheat up one and a quarter to 819 and a quarter. September hard red wheat up two and a half to 814 and a quarter. December hard red wheat up three to 809 and a half. June natural gas fell a dime Friday to 219. July natural gas down a nickel to 242. July crude oil up 84 cents to 72.67. August crude oil up 82 cents to 72.75 a barrel. The Dow up 335 points to 33,100. The S&P 500 up 55 points to 4,206. And the NASDAQ up 275 points to 12,973. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Jessica Domel. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.